Raisin Man Arena. Maybe I should. I asked my sister to. I asked. We're recording now. Um, oh, nice. I, I asked. Yeah, welcome to the show. Do we? We never say our names, should we? No. Yeah. I'm gonna say mine, <laughs> so it's up to you guys. Felipe is my name. I'm Sarah. I'm Sam. You're, I'm Sarah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I asked my sister if she would. Um. Because so. You know, cats out of the bag, whatever. I'm home with my parents. Um, I'm in Vermont, it. I admit it. I, but yeah. only for the last couple days. <laughs> I'm right here in New York City. Damn. Well, <laughs> volunteering I s- every day for Jabari. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that um, I'm only here temporarily. I took the. Oh, wait, shit. The video is there. I'm only here temporarily. I only took. I took the COVID test right before coming. I didn't get the results, <laughs> but I think I did due diligence to make sure it was safe. Why I'm didn't you get the win- results, Felipe? Holy moly. <laughs> Don't get me started on this one. They lost my res- I got it. I got it a week ago. They lost my results. So I went and I got it again. I go up to the front, and I, I wanted to ask the woman up front, Hey, if I got blood taken last week, is it dangerous if I do it again? Will I pass out? <laughs> not have enough blood left. Not have it. enough blood left, exactly. <laughs> Will I leave here a, a husk a husk with no essence? And then as soon as I said I got them last week, she said, you got them last week? Your insurance is not going to pay for this. And I was oh. like, I was about to go beast mode. Because I was like, <laughs> the lab lost my results. I'm not about to, I'm not about to shoulder the cost of them. <laughs> And Take on seven thousand dollars in debt that you're paying yeah. off in the next thirty years. Yeah, watch a second COVID test cost like a thousand dollars. Wow, it's like that movie Brasilia, like a yeah. comedy of bureaucracy. Yes, yeah, that you're living in. Hundred item long itemized bill of <laughs> things are charging you for. That'd be yeah, so it's fun. like go to go to. Go to the go to window five, and then at window five they say go to window seven, and then at window seven they say go to window five. <laughs> yeah. Here I am stuck in hell. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny that that happened, to listeners. That's funny that happened to Felipe because he's been the most scared of the coronavirus of anyone that I know, I think. And uh, just for him to not be able to get his results was bitter and sad uh, in a way I didn't anticipate. Maybe sad for no, you. No, absolutely. And I'm like the biggest pussy in the world, so getting the nose swab was unbearable unbearable pain and having to get it again extremely scary yeah well i'll say this my my full disclosure i'm in vermont i've been here for maybe four days i'll i'll come back in another two days um i got my coronavirus test right before i came and peter my best friend and roommate had to really pressure me bully me even it rose to that level i felt into doing it because i was not going to do it i was like if you get your test then that's just for both of us um, cause I really don't like going to the doctor. I feel like you're not sick until the doctor tells you you are. So it's actually the doctors that make people sick and that if you don't go that you're not mm. sick. Um, as Foucault said, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I was really scared of the nasal scrape and, uh, I was also scared of the blood part as I, cause that's standard. Um, and I went and in, I decided to go cause we were going to go on this trip and I was like, once I get out of here, I'm going to post to Instagram and I'm going to share my story so I can help other scared people, you know, handle their fear. And my experience was so 
easy and didn't hurt at all, wasn't even uncomfortable, but then I was embarrassed to even post about it because I felt like such a fool. I'm convinced for... I'm convinced that they didn't do it proper. I think it's no yeah. pain, no gain. And if they don't and if they don't really make your sinus hurt, then they didn't get the good cells. Yeah. yeah. I had been told that like what's crazy about it is you don't realize how long your nasal cavity is and it just keeps going up and up and up. To me it was like exactly how long I thought. My nose it was, was like it's like a mummification process where they pull the your brain out of your nose and they put a know? scarab up in to- there. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> a blue totally. scarab. Yeah, and you know, unlike unlike Felipe and Sarah, I actually relished going to the doctors and the pain of giving a COVID <laughs> test because there's there's few moments in the modern world for me to <laughs> flex my traditional masculine performance. So. Anytime I can um, take part in a moment of pain and overcome it, I look forward to. Yeah. Your doctor's always telling oh, me you're the healthiest man they've ever seen in their 30-year yeah, career. Actually, my, my, the, the nurse who took my, like, um, my uh, heart rate was like, wow, really good heart rate. <laughs> And then no, they told me I had a bad heart rate. Really? They were like, your heart rate's kind of high, and you're sitting down. It shouldn't be that high. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, your Damn. heart rate's like within the normal range, but it's quite high. Damn. And we just took your roommate's heart rate, and it's really good, buddy. So shape That's up a funny. little bit. I always. By the way, I, I usually... was also looking at his penis, and uh, <laughs> you want to do something about that too. <laughs> When I go to the doctor's office and the doctor first comes in, I usually just tell them up front, I'm very scared. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, I'm really scared. Uh, but this time I actually held back on doing it and I was glad that I did because, mm, again, I was nice. embarrassed. Yeah. I tried Felipe the same does that, it. but he says he's angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very angry. <laughs> I told I told my I told the, the the nurse, I guess, who did the swab, I, I was trying to calm myself down and so I was like have you had it done before? And she was like, no, no I haven't. And I was like, fuck, okay. <laughs> I, can't. I just wanted her to be like, you'll be fine. And she couldn't She couldn't even say that. How could the nurse not have gotten tested? That seems like a total breach of protocol. You're, she like, didn't you're get like, what books are you reading in school right now? <laughs> like trying to keep her mind off of it. You know, how they do with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But anyways, I... um. I'm here in Connecticut, just chilling, and uh, it's good. I've been playing guitar nonstop. I can't stop playing the guitar. That's cool. I can't wait to see you play the guitar in real life. I'm not getting any better, though. Oh. I can't wait to see you play a protest song at a rally, Felipe. Yeah. Which side are you uh, on? Yeah, Which side Pete are Seger. you on? Pete Seeger style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um... I'm coming back on Tuesday. I'm going to go to that, uh, the one at City Hall, the Occupy City Hall. I wonder if it's a, is a sit-in. I don't know what Occupy, what that, that word doesn't really mean anything anymore, I guess. All these words are just, like, things people put on a poster. Do you guys want to go I to mean, that? <laughs> when, on Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday at 5. Me and Will are going to go. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm here till Wednesday. It, is it uh, Brooklyn City Hall? At the Brooklyn, at the Brooklyn City Hall. I, I do believe I'll have to look. Yeah, I'll go to that with you guys. Nice. Cool. Can you guys can you guys FaceTime me in while I'm here? Yes. Except that I'm afraid of getting stingrayed, so my phone will be off. But uh, oh, you Danny. know, originally when we were first going to protest, I was like taking all of the precautions, and I thought we had to be like you know like Hong Kong level. Yes. <laughs> but then over time, I was like, I was like, I could go on know. Tinder. 
I don't know. It just seemed this. less. It just seemed like I was in less danger than I initially thought I would be in. Yeah, well, that's kind of the strange thing about the entire emotional landscape of, like, the Black Lives Matter uprising is, like, uh, a feeling of real fear that existed because actual scary things are happening, then a feeling of, like, oh, things have been neutralized. Actually, it's protesting is no big deal. It's, like, something children and families do. And then a feeling of conspiratorial suspicion that, like, the fact that the protest changed in their mood was, like, some kind of psyop type thing. Yeah, so it's kind of an endless... Like, what feels um, significant one day, the next day is like, oh, that was ridiculous that I was worried about that or something. Totally. Yeah, I, I went on a uh, social distance bike ride yesterday with my friend, and I was talking with her. Like, we were biking through Williamsburg, and there was, like, people getting ice cream. You know, like, there was, like, a really fancy ice cream store, and, and people were, were just getting ice cream there. And it, and it was this, this really bizarre moment where it was like, yeah, the, the, the sort of truth about the banality of... of like a, an apocalyptic moment like you could imagine like there being some sort of awful like genocide happening in the united states and there would still be like rooftop bars and of course ice cream and stuff of like course that, you know? yeah it's like uh that yeah, claire denis movie that we went to see what was it called but this is like the the dawn of me and sam's friendship we saw white material white material yeah yeah <laughs> that whole movie my understanding of what that was about was like the rev- a revolution is starting in the or civil war and the entire time everyone's like is it about to start or like already started yeah. or like oh, interesting now? what is this or, movie like, is it good that sounds that's an interesting concept it's really good it was good. I mean, it's very sort of slow, and the entire time you're like, is something going on that I don't know what's going on? But it, I think that is related to what I just said. Yeah. yeah, and she's, like, trying to, like, save her, like, father's coffee farm. And, yeah. like, all the workers keep, like, being like, no, we're not going to work. We have to, like, leave the country. And she's, like, and her and her dad is, like, this sort of, like, rich, like, they, each of them live in, like, these separate huge massive like compounds on this coffee farm like the, the white father and the white brother and it's like really bizarre and like kind of like the wild west um yeah 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 it was good have you guys ever seen that movie waltz with bashir yeah i saw it when i was younger but i don't think i understood a single thing that was happening in it <laughs> It's it's about the these massacres that happened in the second Lebanon war that like Israel sort of kind of carried out but also kind of like let these the, this Christian minority carry out on on um Lebanese like civilians and it's about sort of this man who's caught up in that war as an Israeli soldier and his sort of like the ways in which he's complicit in this massacre but like also what it's really about is like how kind of boring and unclear and banal war is and then it's like punctuated with these moments of really really intense awful horribleness but then most of the time you're like really really bored and not sure what's going on mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean i think it's true that there's there's like a gap between the feeling that something is happening and also that nothing is happening I don't know if other people relate to that. I, I think that there's a lot of people that don't feel like nothing is happening, but I think there are certainly moments when it feels like nothing is happening. I mean, even even with coronavirus in the first place, like you're like, oh, okay, pandemic, like the whole world is whatever. And then you're out in the park and then you see people out and you think, oh, uh, they're they're just kind of out. They're yeah. out. People are 
doing, you know, no one's scared or, I mean, obviously people are scared, but they, they push it deep inside. Totally. Or they don't show it. Yeah. I was thinking about this as the coronavirus was starting. I was like, oh, it's the government's prerogative right now to cultivate a intense enough atmosphere of fear that people will respond to their directives without them having to be forceful. Um, but not to cultivate so much fear that there's a full societal panic and mm. like casualties from that. Um, and uh, they have, must have known, or who knows what the government actually knows, but kind of a fact of the matter that, like, uh, and I saw people saying this on Twitter, that if this all works, we'll feel like we were being ridiculous uh, a couple of weeks ago, but because things will be fine. Um, well, the truth, kind of the truth, thing. though, the truth, though, is sort of weirder, which is that, like, I think that deaths from this can go really high and you can still kind of carry out your life without it mm. necessarily affecting you i mean i might i might eat my words you know maybe in like two months it'll be like oh no like someone in my family or whatever but yeah. it's like deaths are high super high and i still like i only know sort of friends of friend. you know what i mean sort of like two degrees separated from me who like have had it um and yet it's like i'm hearing you know so i guess there's just a lot of people in this country but that that's just to say that um that i think they figured out you can you it can be really bad and still people won't be that scared. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. And then it's also hard for people to evaluate um, what they are even scared of. Like, I, I think maybe it doesn't re maybe some people don't care if 100,000 people die because that metric is difficult for them to understand. And like the how many people die every day, how many people die in car accidents, you know, this kind of reasoning and math. My grandpa is a big proponent of calculating how many people die of uh, malaria and so saying that coronavirus doesn't matter you know that kind of thing where i'm like mm. it's an interesting existential argument of like how you decide what um what well it's, it's funny you. it's funny how there was kind of this like uh liberal line that was like we're this is 10 9 11s a day like based on the number of deaths where it's like we're going through 10 yes. or whatever like yes. it's one yes. 9 11 and it's like well the key difference is that 9 11 was done <laughs> by arab people you know like ob obviously that's not the thing that they're that they're concerned about and um uh, that americans are are concerned about with 9 11. totally well I, I i'm sure people have done this before but i was just gonna like make an analogy to the war on terror where it was like the whole war on terror was sold on like stirring up fear uh, in americans like about terrorism um within our borders and that's kind of fascinating that it's like really it, w it was so much easier as a project to make people afraid that they were going to get like attacked in a public place yes. than it is it is to make them afraid that they're going to get like a communicable disease yes I'm sure that if the government wanted to stir up fear, they would, except that the difference is that the government has an incentive to, um, you know, carry out perpetual war. I don't think they have much of an incentive to um, carry out, like, big public health health projects. Um, Do you think they have an incentive to carry out this um, firework, uh, f mass fireworks? Uh, you think it's, like, you think it's an op? campaign, <laughs> artillery You thing, think the yeah. fireworks are an op? <laughs> Um, you know, it sounds so reasonable to me that it would be like, I hear that and I'm like, oh, absolutely. Like I've only lived in New York for two years, so I don't have that much uh, evidence for comparing it, but I've never heard anything like this in my life. <laughs> the endless fireworks. Hold on. So what's the, so what's the, what's the angle? Like the government is trying to what? Like desensitize you, you to sleeping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a few different things. It's like 
basically first that the the government the police are leaving fireworks around in neighborhoods like people allege that they do with the bricks at protests to get people to throw bricks now they're leaving out fireworks to get kids to um set fireworks off all night long and they're like um fireworks beyond they're not just like roman candles they're like macy's day parade level or whatever, whoever does the fourth of july fireworks show level of fireworks and um but to having- what end um, to disturb people so that they can't sleep because they're going up from like 8 p.m. to like 5 a.m. and to just sort of like unnerve these neighborhoods uh, and also like trigger people's PTSD. Some people have said it's to get people used to um, the sounds of like artillery so that when like the, the the militarized police are coming and killing all of us, we won't really register the sounds. That to me is a little uh, Could- crazy. Could you imagine being like a 15 year old and walking around Brooklyn with your two best friends and you turn a street corner and sitting in the corner is an inflatable giant Santa Claus from the Macy's Day Parade (laughs) (laughs) and you and your friends quickly blow it up and start marching down Fulton. Um, that's funny. The other piece yeah. of evidence is that yeah, the- yeah, like you're walking down the street and there's and there's a, a scarecrow or like a, a doll of a witch that looks like it's uh, flown right into a tree, and your friends start setting it up around the city, and it starts making everybody too scared to go to protests. Precisely, precisely. Yeah, yeah. You get a little bucket, and it's filled with vampire teeth. And you and your friends put the vampire teeth in. And it activates your PTSD, and then you stop, and you stop petitioning the uh, the government. (laughs) What were you going to say, Sarah? That, um... The police aren't responding to 911 calls that are related to fireworks. That's the other evidence that they're... Hold on, though, And they're also not responding to 311 calls. And the calls are up... The calls were at 200 last year at this time, another 1,000. Okay, that's it. How do you know? How do you know that's true? Because Sam told me a story where where he saw a cop um, answering a call for fireworks. Do you want to tell the story, Sam, or what? Yeah, it was. It the was fuck's funny. going on? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't have the numbers that Sarah has. So, so this well, is just. Well, I, I, but I'll, I'll put it to you, Sarah. How do you have the numbers that you have? Who has those numbers? Who knows how many calls the cops are responding to? If only we had a producer that could be looking up this information because I don't, I don't know, yes. brother. How do I know anything I know? I can't. I don't have no idea. It's in my head, dude. <laughs> sure, sure. Numbers are well, in my head. Yeah, take Sam. it as fact. The cops are not answering 911 calls, period. <laughs> I'm going one step further. They're not answering them at all. They're not answering. They've, get, they've hung up. I, I think it's plausible that the police want people to think that we need them. So they are willing to let this like barrage of fireworks situation go on unchecked and they're like stoking it. That seems perfectly Yo, the, reasonable. The only people, the only people that this is going to rile up are the people that would have been calling the cops anyways. Cause it's like, for me, I know I'm not supposed to call the cops I don't think on, so. on neighbors. And it's like, I hear it at night. It wakes me up, but I'm not about to call the cops. But if you're like already like a jumpy, uh, 36 year old opinion writer for the New York times who lives sure. in, uh, whatever, uh, Holy Fort Green. Boy. Oh no, <laughs> we really do need the police for the police. I can't sleep. But like, that's, that's not, that doesn't affect me or Sam or you. <laughs> right. No, it doesn't affect me. I, I go to bed at 5 PM and I wake up in time for the last two hours of the show. I wake up at 3 AM and I go up my roof and watch them. Like, damn. I was really moved by the Black Lives Matter movement and, and its most radical demands, but after not being able to sleep 
during the summer where I didn't have a job all summer, <laughs> I suddenly realized that we do need the biggest yeah. cultural state in the whole entire world. You were going to say something, Sam. You were going to tell your story. Oh, I there there is these these men who are like our age, all hanging out on this stoop, and this was like in the early evening, and they're all hanging out, and then this police car like pulls up in front of them, and these two guys get out, and this policeman is like, so he gets out of the car, and the the boys like immediately address him by name. They're like, oh, it's so and so, and they're like all laughing, and the policeman is like. He's looking at them and he's like shaking his head and he's like, he's like, guys, you're grown ass men. Like, why are you setting off fireworks? We keep getting these calls. And they were all like laughing. And I think, I think they, they, they were like police. The police were like the same age as the guys. And how, I think they might have been like grew, grown up together or something like that. But it was, did, it was kind when, of funny. When the, cop, when the cop asked the young men that, what did, did they say? say it's just said that that's your narrative that you're adding that narrative line that they, <laughs> we don't know that well, they grew they, up together. They, if you're they listening, were like talking to each that. other and <laughs> they were talking to each other and and referring to each other by name. So nicknames, that's my childhood guess. nicknames. Yeah. yeah when they, the cop, yeah, they were calling him Pig. They were calling the cops Pig. <laughs> <laughs> Little Piggy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, these guys must be really good friends. <laughs> The, those aren't sparklers, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, I think. It Wait till you come back and you what? hear it. Wait till you come back and you hear it. It's what are you talking crazy. about? I've been, I've been there. Like Have I've been, been hearing them. And they, they've been waking it? me up. Yeah, I mean, it's like it is weird. Like they're they're sort of setting them off all the time, all day long. But I just. Of all the things that the that the police and the FBI could secretly be doing, I just don't. I don't really see what the payoff is for this fire. I think they're off. stupid. The police are stupid. They do dumbass shit all the time, and this is a great stupid plan. It's kind of funny, and it is sort of working. It's people are freaking out and are being conspiratorial and are turning really, on each I, other. What, <laughs> it's all I'm, over Twitter. Is it? Right? I'm like you're on, on Twitter. You're a the Twitter expert, dude. Yeah, I'm on Twitter all the time. But the most I see people being is like. Uh, the most I see people saying is like, oh, I guess we have the same guy in every town. <laughs> like, that's the joke I've been seeing over and over. I'm not seeing anyone be like, I don't know, maybe not. I mean, I have well, seen people, I have seen people theorize about a conspiracy, but, but I still, I'm not really seeing how the dots connect where it mm -hmm. would make sense. But doesn't it give you that conspiratorial feeling? You're like, something's going on, and then we're going to get to the bottom of this in Listen, 30 years. <laughs> of all the things that give me a conspiratorial feeling about this moment, the fireworks is not one of them, but I am quite, I'm quite conspiratorial about a lot of other things. Like, precisely I, the fact that the, you know, the, the whole thing about, um, um, sort of, um, uh, uh organize, like, quote-unquote, like, organizers who sort of coordinate with the police to make the protests uh, more peaceful i mean i i don't think i don't think it needs to be that secretive in order to take place but but i don't know some of that you know like those um those actors in atlanta you saw that stuff right yes yes mm -hmm. i buy that that seems I'm that seems spot straight sold up. on that yeah totally. seems cut do you want to explain it because i guess you know i don't know i heard should... it third hand so <laughs> someone else could explain it or I mean, this is kind of old. Yeah. 
I feel like I was listening to an episode of Raisin Man the other day, and I was like, "Oh, I feel like we should explain a little more what we're talking about." Sometimes uh, my mom, my mom has told me that she half the time she doesn't understand what we're talking about, but yeah. she kind of enjoys it. And our parents are really kind of the the make right. of the bulk of listeners. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but your mom will know about the Catherine Cohen stuff and all that when we get to it. I'm sure. No, there's no way yeah. she hasn't heard about that. Yeah, of course, exactly. Hmm. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the robot video. There's a robot going through. There's a brick wall, and the wall has a hole that's shaped like a body, and the robot was making the shape of it and walking slowly through it. That's pretty cool. D- did you guys see this video of the, that guy, that comedian Joey Diaz, talking oh, to, yeah, horrific. to Joe Rogan? About the blowjob thing? Yeah. I yeah, elected yeah. not to watch it, I, which is something I kind of generally do with a lot of this stuff is, um, I don't need to watch what I already know and believe to be true, and, like, why would I evoke that for myself? I mean, I try not to, like, be blind to things that go on in specific, but, like, I saw the video, I read the caption, and I was like, I'm sold that that is exactly what I think it is, but go ahead. Um, well, there there's this, this, like, conversation going on Twitter right now about, like, Oh, he's like Joey Diaz like isn't cancelable because like he's like he he's like produced a uh, a fan base that is like okay with this kind of behavior. And, and say and, what the like, behavior is cuz Yeah, um he so he on this podcast Seth Rogen <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Miss Olsen, here it is. <laughs> yes. All right, here you go, Kirsten Olsen. So, um this guy Joey Diaz, who's like a kind of old stand-up comedian, goes onto Joe Rogan's podcast, and there's a clip where he's joking about how like open micers who'd want to get time at some club that I guess he like ran or hosted which by the a way, which at. by the way, like that the and just uh, just the fact that like you'd have to trade any favors or any influence in order to get on an open mic. Um, it's humiliating and yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm itself. not. I'm not trying to like derail from like what's truly horrible about this, but it's yeah. like, damn, like the club scene does suck my dick. Like that's what's that about? Just Time put your name in the bucket. I don't think. Put your name in the bucket. What's going on mic? here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it was an open mic, but he refers to them as like these open mic. Maybe they're like those bringer shows or whatever. Mm. Anyways, he's joking about like how he. There, there is this one particular woman who he'd make like give him a blowjob so that she could like get time in the in at the on stage, and then Joe Rogan laughs and then he's like, "How many women did you did with this do this to?" And he was like, "Oh, 20. Um, and they all have like a big laugh about it. Um, so that's that's the video people are reacting to. Um, and then like now there's this whole thing where like. He like Joe Joey Diaz like hasn't apologized for it or anything. He's like, oh, like you guys, like all his tweets are like, oh, you cocksuckers. Like if you didn't like this video, how about this video? And he's like posted this other interview he did he did where he like says some horrible shit, and people are like, oh, you can't cancel Joey Diaz because like his fan base is like one he created. It wasn't like given to him by like an industry or like a network mm. so to speak so that like he's he's not like cancelable the way other people are 
That's um, interesting. I thought you were going to make the argument that he's not cancelable because of... what he did was okay. He... <laughs> 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 because um, it's the opposite of like a power bottom situation, you know, where like power bottom got cancelled literally overnight because like their fan base cares the most earnestly about that kind of transgression. The fan base of a person like this doesn't give a shit about that. So I think who that is the point he's making. For? No, but you're, he's saying it has to do with like where your platform comes from, whether it's from a TV show network or like it's your own organically cultivated thing. But I think ultimately, I mean, it is the same argument. I mean, I guess, I guess like who would be the other gatekeepers, like club owners, but the club owners defer to like, well, if an audience is going to come in for this, then why do I care if I'm, you know, if I, if I'm, if I manage the funny laughs at Providence, Rhode Island, like I'm not, no one, no one's going to protest outside. And if it brings in money, like why wouldn't I bring in Joey Diaz? I think that's the same argument or they're related. Sure. I think they're related. Yeah, I think, I think they're, they are related. Um, but I think it brings up, I bring it up as a case, an interesting case study in the string of cancellations that have happened recently. Um, I don't know, as a way to talk, to begin talking about the cancellations, if that's a thing we want to do. Yeah, well, you know what? Joey Diaz might not be able to get canceled by his audience, but, but he, you, he, he can't, he can't, uh, he can't, uh, resist the justice that comes out of the barrel of a gun, so. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Just yeah, no he, one, he, no one can do that. If no someone, one can. You know? And no one can escape the justice that comes the out of the barrel man. of a gun. Yes, it's true. He we actually don't have any guests on the Raisin Man podcast because we don't know. We have can't do the background checks necessary to clear it's anyone. True. Yeah, we yeah. don't have a producer like that yet. So. And we don't platform <laughs> anything we don't know for sure what it is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and in any case, Joey Diaz could never escape the justice that is born out of the barrel of a gun. Can you imagine <laughs> if? Can you imagine if that a clip of me saying that got me canceled with Joey Diaz fans? <laughs> That would, that be, would funny. be funny. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm imagining you saying that to the, to the person behind the desk when you got your COVID test the second time, <laughs> when you were irate and angry. Listen, I'm not I'm not paying for this, and if and if the insurance company calls, you can you can tell them that I might I might pay with the currency that is born out of the barrel of a gun. <laughs> no, I don't know. I wonder if Joey Diaz. Um, I wonder if he could get canceled. Probably not. I've never heard of him before. Had you heard of him? Yeah, he did this like show, the the um, Degenerates show, Felipe. Oh, that that's Netflix so thing. funny. That's so. Oh my god, that show was like. Uh, that show was like one of the kinds of things that um, that make you want to write a little thesis paper. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I know I'm getting mean, a lot of silence. On. I'm getting a lot of silence. So I'm no, not I'm picking sorry, up on something. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no Sarah, it's, it's a, like a thesis paper, Yeah. Basically, basically, it's a Netflix. It's a Netflix stand-up series, and the premise, essentially, when you really strip it all down, the premise is like this is a Netflix series that's not going to be PC, and so because because of of culture as it stands, they have to fashion the entire special around that idea and so they call it the degenerates so the idea is like this when you enter this special you're going to see a different kind of thing you're going to see moral degenerates um mm -hmm. and the aesthetic is sort of like the classic 
I think the thing it made me reflect on is that classic stand-up aesthetic, which is like, you know, leather jackets, like, sm you know, small town um, comedy clubs that have like touring comics. It takes place in Vegas. Um, I don't yeah. know. I don't have anything and more to say. And then what's so it's provocative about it? They just are, have their subject matter is fucked up? Yeah, it, not like especially honest. fucked up. Yeah, it's I we we watched it and it, it's honestly not that provocative. Like something you would that would be par for the course for like anything you'd see honestly at like a regular open mic. Like th there's even Joey Diaz's set I thought was relatively tame. Yeah, I think it only goes to show how cucked Netflix is that they need to they need to sell it to you that way rather than just say st five funny stand-ups. <laughs> yeah that yes. makes sense yes. but Netflix would never do anything that was truly provocative or like risk taking or if they did they would immediately have to apologize for it potentially take it down totally I mean uh, didn't well, they well two th they did take something down but didn't they put out the Chappelle special that's true St Stuart Lee so, makes this like this I think something funny apt comment where he's like he's like yeah I, I, it's funny when I see these comedy shows that are like comedy on Tuesday nights like comedians are unmuzzled tonight like on this night they get to say exactly how they really feel yeah. about stuff and he was like he's like he's like shouldn't you just like when you're doing your comedy like you should just be saying how you feel all the time and if you're not doing that then like maybe that's a sign that you like shouldn't be doing comedy or you should get different opinions you know what i mean like, yeah <laughs> hmm I was once on a show with a woman who was talking about how, like, she was a cruise ship comedian, and she would do, like, a 9 o'clock show, and then she would do, like, an 11 o'clock show, and at the 9 o'clock show, she wasn't supposed to talk about lesbian sex, and at the 11 o'clock show, she could talk about that. Lesbian um, snacks? Sex. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I kind of want to hear that bit. What's that about? Yeah. <laughs> they eat little purple grapes. Um, but I just, uh, what was the point I was going to make about that? I don't know. I would never be a cruise ship comedian. That sounds whack as fuck. I've met several cruise ship comedians now, and it sounds like one of the more depressing, um, turns your career can possibly take. Like, stable source of income, but, like, that sounds like hell. Totally, but yeah, also but, part but of me fantasizes. But also you out on a cruise ship? Yeah, bullet, and that's bulletproof, Felipe. Yeah. Fun, um, brother. I mean, no two ways around there. Nice, nice sunny cruise ship. Wake up every morning, different island, different people. Yeah, yeah you I, go to the pool, you go to the wave pool, and you do your set about, um, I don't know, uh, people who can't eat gluten. <laughs> That's yeah. what those stand-up comedians like to talk about. Felipe will be like, will be, every night he'll be like, what prop should I use my little prop bag to? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, maybe this isn't even interesting because it's just like annoying shit that people say who are misogynist on Twitter or whatever. But I was looking at the stuff that happened with Cristalia, which I can explain what that was if I have to. Uh, which is that Cristalia has been accused of um, five hundred different incidents of grooming. Wait, five hundred? So yeah, I saw this on Twitter no. that like. 
they haven't all been evaluated extensively, I think, as, like, credible accusations, but, like, whoever is on Twitter trying to collect the Whisper Network full accounts of, like, every time he's ever, like, perved on a teenage girl said it's more than 500. Yo, somebody, somebody, you know somebody was, like, late into the night just looking at their phone. You know when you're, like, on one on your phone and you're just, like, messaging and texting and searching? Like, that was... I didn't know. I thought there were like yeah. I thought there were like seven. I did not know there were that many. I saw five hundred. I should double check it. But um, I also yeah. remember seeing the number way earlier. Close. Did you see that Neil Brennan? What he had tweeted about it? Yeah, he was what? What he was like? Uh, I believe in due process. Yeah, and he was said that he would give a thousand dollars to Rain, uh, which is a anti-rape and sexual violence yeah. organization, uh, for every credible claim that this had happened. And um, it got up to, like, 35, I remember, at some point, of, like, people who really had extensive accounts of, like, what had happened to them. So, uh, he deleted that tweet, which is so fucking So, he didn't even whack. donate the that's, money? That's insane. Unbelievably that's insane. whack. Damn, I think guy, he's probably damn, reposted since then, but I didn't check. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that... that... Those texts, I read some of those texts, and they were hard to read. They were hard to read. Yes, but be, cl- be clear because they were hard to read for a more for the reason that they were cringy. Is that what you mean to say? Oh yes, 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 yes. No, there wasn't like spelling errors. No, no, no. I mean um, to say, I mean to say, because there's a, it's obviously like unethical the thing he was doing, but but also you're like it was cringy as well. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I think they're kind of the same thing. I or I think I'm reacting to the same thing. Like that. It was like really like it gave me an upset. I I I'm, I mentioned only because Sarah brought up how she's like, oh, I don't need to see the yes. evidence when people post it, and it was just a thing where <sighs> it was a thing where like I, you know like if if you're like a man or something like that, you can like you can hear people like talk about like grooming and stuff like these concepts that you understand, but like could be pretty abstract if you've never experienced it firsthand, and and just to like see the text and stuff like is really it's re- it's it's really sickening you know what, what? or like like the or like that that recording of, i remember when the new york times the new yorker released that recording of um of uh what's the fucking producer guy who uh, harvey weinstein harvey weinstein like talking to that italian model that she mm. and she like had an fbi recording of it and it was like awful. It was like awful, awful to hear his voice and hear what he was saying and stuff. Anyways, mm. I don't know where yeah. I'm going with this, but like sometimes the evidence does. It isn't. Imp- well, you can argue about the importance of like showing the, the evidence online, but like just interacting with the evidence <clears throat> is like a really intense part of being a part of these like canceling events. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting line to kind of walk because on the one hand, once you start to sort of. Uh, believing kind of abstract allegations and claims without doing any kind of personal due diligence to look diligence to looking at them, you're kind of like losing touch with reality and like what you're actually talking about. Um, you should care enough to like really specifically know what you're talking about about these things. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't need to read all the messages that Crystalia sent totally, to these people. Totally, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fucked up. So it's kind of up and down. Like I'm not watching the Jeffrey Epstein documentary. I didn't watch the R. Kelly one. I didn't watch the Michael Jackson one. I did watch the Michael Jordan one. I thought that one was good. Um, but he wasn't canceled, canceled in that one. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I did He's... watch the Up. 
that Disney movie. And I watched up. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. The Jeffrey Epstein one I might actually watch because I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm actually familiar with the contours of like how the power systems actually allow someone to be a super predator pedophile at that level. So maybe I should watch it just to grasp like what is going on. Um, but I don't know. Mm. What I was going to say about the Crystalia thing and the replies originally uh, kind of goes to what you're saying, Sam, of like this guy, this random person, I was just reading the replies on someone's tweet about this stuff, and uh, some annoying guy said, um, it's crazy to me how women want you to think they're strong and independent, but then they can't just block or ignore some like weird tweets from some guy. Like, you can't have it both ways, ladies, or like something like that. Um yeah. And it just made me like you can't have the chivalrous. You can't have the chivalrous man, and, uh, <laughs> and also have power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just made me think about um to live in a stupid mind like that. What that must be like, and like what a sad life that is. And to think of like these comedians on the Degenerates Hour, the people um who are like, oh, we're I'm really gonna unleash my true thoughts about what the world is like. And then when they do, it's just like this boring, flat totally unnuanced, totally unrigorous takedown of shit that they haven't thought about, you know, in any kind of interesting way. And you're just like, damn, this is your work? This is your art? I mean, that's a reply to a tweet, but when you see someone doing stand-up that's as, like, two-dimensional as that, you're like, wow, you have to practice this for a really long time to get where you're at, and this is, like, what you wanted to say? It's not even intellectually, like, of any interest. I'm clever. I'm remembering... I'm remembering what Joey Diaz stand-up is in The Degenerates, actually. Oh my god, what is it? He does a joke where he, like, he says something like, Louis fucked it up for all of us, where he's like, who hasn't shown their dick to someone? That's the joke. So that just, no comment, that's all, you know? That's the joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, yeah. I guess, what's up? No, go ahead. No, I mean to be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't really have anything sort of like new to say about it. I mean, it's it's bad stuff. Some, you know, some they should face consequences. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it seems kind of clear cut, or like, I don't know. Well, I I listened to the the Red Scare podcast they had about grooming, and they're like. I don't know if I want to summarize everything they say, but can they're, they're you? Very... What if we just play it on? What if we just play their podcast yeah. on Raisin Man? <laughs> okay, let me just let me just put it up, and then ours. we can do comments to it. We can listen to it and just comment it. And the, yeah, and then we jump in. We're like, "That's wrong, bro." Do you think? Do you think that the Red Scare Girls would come on Raisin Man? Definitely, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Cool. Did you guys watch Car Caroline Calloway on Z-Ways? Oh, God, Jesus Christ. That, I could not handle that. Talk about evidence that you can't deal with. That was, that was too that intense. That was crazy. That was too yeah. intense. Yeah. yeah. But also, kind of a marvel to see someone with such a, a, such an open mind in the kind of really classic sense. Like, there's no filter between their mind and their mouth. Well, we were talking... Whatever's we were, going through their head. Because I think Sam was like, oh, you're seeing what you're seeing. So Caroline Calloway just says, like, the weirdest, cringiest, most insane... Like she's trying to be like white people should be more open about how they're racist. I'm willing to admit that I'm a racist in these ways, and it just like totally is unhinged. 
Yeah, like even I mean, if you what you said just there, Sarah, is like normal, right? But it's like there's something <laughs> about the tone and the kind of velocity and the feeling of Caroline Calloway developing that idea that's absolutely insane and unbearable. You gotta see but it firsthand. You yeah. gotta see it to believe it. But um, but Sam was like, oh, um, that's like the people she because Sam was like, oh, she kind of knows what she's doing. She's like, you know, she knows she's like hitting of a nerve um and i was thinking about someone like trump and you know how people say like oh like trump knows what he's doing like he knows that but i think it's i was just thinking it's not that those people know what they're doing in the way that me you or sam would know what we're doing it's not that they're like normal in their brains and then they think i'm gonna be crazy and that's how i'm gonna manipulate uh the uh, the public rather they are like kind of crazy and there's a tiny normal part in their brain that's like, oh yeah, this is crazy, but I'm gonna like channel it. I'm gonna I'm gonna like ride I'm gonna ride the stallion. And that's what you see with Caroline Calloway. Like I think she genuinely thinks that what she's saying is like kind of n- normal, but she knows it's kind of spicy. But in a way, she doesn't exactly understand. Like, totally, there, she doesn't yeah, she doesn't have the, the full picture, but she but she ha- she's she's like uh, she's sort of tai chiing the the energy she's water bending this this mm. manic energy um in a kind of chaotic way <laughs> but it, it produces this incredible fireworks display totally yeah. totally yeah no i i think you're you're sort of describing it but but like the way i felt was it's like someone like talking to someone at a bar and they start talking and talking and then they get like kind of infatuated with their own voice and then they start like they're like oh yeah and and, you know like i believe this one crazy thing and and that actually that makes me think about like uh like welfare queens or something like that and then they start spewing these like horrible opinions but they're like still high off of their own sort of like um yeah their own like manic talking energy and you're and all you have to do is just to like receipt like step back and they just like start taking up more and more space and saying crazier and crazier and crazier things well that's what i thought was funny because people were like wow zua like you're incredible like you're really doing a public service and i think that that's true but it's also remarkable how little zua actually needs to do in order to extract the incredible content she just needs to ask a question and then caroline calloway is just and just give her a context and simply simply have have a neutral face while caroline calloway is saying insane things and that alone i was gonna say it's not even it's not even the insane opinions that make me cringe. There's one particular moment where I like had to turn it off where where Z was like, Oh, so Caroline should we just play it? Like maybe I should just play it. How just keep talking. Yes. I'll I'll yes. just find it and play it. Um yeah, it's it's really beautiful. Yeah, and I, I don't know, it's interesting because Zoe doesn't have to do that much work that you see her her doing like live, but it seems like the choices that she makes of being sort of like totally unshaken the entire time just like interviewing her as if they're just like chatting and having this conversation like is brilliant it's just like works really well um hold on oh man i'm kind of scared to play it because i'm gonna have to like deal with it and you're gonna react viscerally to it when you hear it or you mean like on an audio Uh, wait i'm trying to find the 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 correct one um, let me see if I can find it. Is it really hot where you guys are? It's hot as hell. It's quite really hot. hot. Yeah. I've turned I've turned off the air conditioner for the sound purposes, and now I'm sweating, and I'm drinking hot coffee. I'm I'm sweating <laughs> over here. Um, that's a fact of the matter. 
but uh other things we could talk about while we wait for Felipe. you know i might not um, find the correct <laughs> clip i'll play i'll just play i'll just play one random clip you should just people i guess who, probably whoever listens we'll to us listen already to it. follows z-way yeah. and, and can listen to it but i'll just play a clip and then i'll just if 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 it happens to be the one it'll be the one the, and if not um, this is for you kirsten olsen <laughs> Let's see. I don't get that joke that you guys are doing, but we can that's, oh, that's Sam's my mom's mom. name. Oh. Oh, I see. I see. I thought it had something to do with Seth. Okay, okay. I'm playing it. Oh, <laughs> oh I wish you could got you guys could hear it. Let me see if I can make you hear it. Make hmm. me hear it. I don't know if I can make you hear it. Uh oh, fuck. Make me make me enjoy it. <laughs> I'm trying to think how I could make you hear it. Could I play Hit it me. through the Zoom? <laughs> could I play it through the Zoom? Sarah, mm. do you ever find yourself sit, uh, in those situations where you're sort of saying too much and suddenly start saying opinions that you don't really believe? Yes, totally. I'll, I would say all the time, but I think it <laughs> diminishes as I get older. I hope it continues to. Um, yeah. But definitely when I'm younger. And it's funny, it's something that I've appreciated about like, uh, my documentary film job, which I don't, and I've never talked about the podcast before, interviewing <laughs> um, really smart people like professors about their absolute like area of expertise that they know backwards and forwards. How frequently they will give an answer and then be like, "Wait, wait, wait! Don't use that. Uh, I misstated and misrepresented the certain nature of something." And then they say it again the correct way, and I'm like, "Top verbal relationship between verbal expression and things you think." feel and believe is uh, a goal. Language is insufficient. Uh, yeah. Talking is a function of a social interaction that is not um, you expressing, yeah, one-to-one -one anything, much less what you can fundamentally I, believe. <laughs> can I share my screen? Yes. Can you make it so that I can? Yeah. Well, I'll try. Damn, I, I kind of okay. skipped the, I skipped a beat here and now it's like we're not we're not at the Caroline Calloway thing But I feel like I should just do it Hey, it off man. I, I made it so that multiple people. Yeah, there we go. can you guys uh, see this? Mm-hmm. All mm -hmm. right, uh, the video can't see it, but whatever. I'll just play it Can't hear it I can't hear it. You can't hear it? Mm -hmm. I want to kill myself. Forget it. Forget it. Can we scroll to some of my tweets? Huh? <laughs> can we scroll to some of my tweets? Yeah, maybe. Hold on. Fuck, now I can't even... Now I... Now you can't stop, even stop screen sharing, and then I'm going to... You guys keep talking. This, yeah. was, a, this was horrific. This so was the worst was, decision I could have ever made. Was this... Was this, um... Uh, is that an attractive thing that the professor does that? They like take back what they say and they, they take back the what right they say. Thing. It doesn't it doesn't attract me. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what joke you're making. <laughs> no, I'm not making a joke. I'm just you were saying that you were like, oh, it's nice. It makes me feel like it doesn't. It's not a symptom of me being an idiot. It's just a symptomatic of a phenomenon of what talking is like. That even I'm, the most. I'm not saying you're an idiot. <laughs> And I'm now just responding to what you were asking, so I don't, I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I guess what I'm, what I, what I took into what you were saying is that, like, oh, you liked in your docu, in this experience when you're interviewing people that, like, they, a person, even a person who was very intelligent about a specific subject would get what they were saying wrong. Like, yes. So I'm, I'm saying, I guess I'm, what I'm 
the bridge I'm making is like, oh, that's a kind of admirable quality that even as an expert, you could kind of take back what you say. Uh, I don't think they do it because it's they're being admirable. They, they don't want to look like an idiot by having said oh, the okay. wrong thing. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got <laughs> so, it. Yeah. I missed a whole beat on this conversation you guys are talking about <laughs> when people don't know what they're talking about. When you say things that you don't mean and you're just like, ah, shit, now I'm going to say, wait, I don't mean that, but I just said it and like... Yeah. In our, our society, that means you mean it when you say it. So. Yeah, it's true that when you say something, it means that you mean it. <laughs> it's all we have well, to know what we mean. Well, so maybe that's a nice, like, Yeah. Well, maybe it's like an, it's an interesting tie back to the, sort of the stand-up comedian. Yeah, tie like back. Joey D Diaz tie thing. back, brother. <laughs> okay, here it goes. Well, is uh... This is something that Nick Mullins said, but he was like, oh, when you're like a comedian, Nick Mullins is a, a comedian. He's like, when you're, when you do talk radio, you have to talk like for five hours professionally every day that you will just end up saying stuff you don't believe and like terrible things. And he's like giving people an out, but, but like there is a quality cause I, I listened to like Joey Diaz's stand up and I listened to him like talking on, on that other show that he posted the link to. And he was, there is a quality of him talking where, where you're like, where I'm like, oh, you're just saying whatever is like coming off of the top of your head. And you're trying to be as like brazen as possible and say the most insane thing. Do you think that he and didn't like, get a blowjob from 20 women to do an open mic? No, no, I'm not saying it didn't, it didn't happen, but, but, uh, he's like a, he's like a shock, shock jock comedian. And, 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 um, his, his type of humor is like saying the most like ribald and body extreme, most possible. extreme, most cartoonish, like clearest version of. Sure, but then okay, but then yeah. then you have these these two opposing models for for what's ha what's happening there, right? So on one hand is is what you're saying, which is the more you talk, the more you have to generate and invent things, right? And then the opposite model is the more you talk, the more you sort of chisel away at you at. At, at your outside and you give your true opinions because ultimately i think mm. that if you don't believe uh, i don't know actually about i don't this, believe that second model yeah you don't believe in it because uh, the second well, model that you can keep talking and then you arrive at the truth no, at your truth you arrive at your truth no I, I don't think talking has anything to do with arriving anywhere talking is just talking. let me let me ask you this though because you know when people when people like I'll try this out. Maybe I don't agree with it. But when the Louis sure. thing happened, everyone was like, he told us who he was in his stand-up. And uh, yeah, a part yeah, of yeah. me felt like, oh, he's like in this scene where it's it's uh, rewarded to say these kinds of things. Like, d simply talking about his stand-up, like, it's rewarded to whatever, um, talk about how you are like a gross pervert. Um, and so a part of me was like, I don't necessarily know if he if he was saying anything that was true about him. But then when you sit with it for a little longer, you're like, no, but yes, it, it, it does come from a place of truth. Cause it's again, like the more you talk, the more you do stand up. to give an example here. Sure. You could imagine the more you invent things, but I actually think it, it kind of goes the other way. People who are new at stand up make shit up. That's not true to their, their experience. But the more you do stand up, the what's that little beeping sound? Oh, it's, it's gone. Toaster. toaster. Um, but the more, but I think that as people get better at doing stand-up, they're actually better able to articulate things that are true. I don't know. I'm kind of riffing here. I, I think with Joey Diaz, it's like he probably did do that shit, and I, I don't know if that applies. But it, I think that you know, when Nick Mullins 
it's a funny joke he makes, but he's talking about like that Anthony Cumia from you know Opie and Anthony or something, and it's like that guy does have racist beliefs. It's not that it's not that like he's like oh I run out of stuff to say. I'll, and I think it's a no, funny I'll premise. Yeah. I think it's a funny premise on Nick Mullen's part. So I, you know I don't need to analyze it to make it unfunny, but but at the same time it's like no, you say the things that you mean over time. I think. Um, am I wrong? Yeah, about well, this? it's funny. No, I, I'm not sure that it really does work on either track. Like, just the, the sound of that, again, we haven't, I haven't really thought about it in these terms exactly before, but that doesn't really resonate with me in any way. I feel like I can easily go both ways. I can talk forever and then end up saying lies or talk a long time and then say something true. Like, I don't see why it would really function like that. Um, and how people do their art in their comedy career. I mean, I can imagine someone starting out telling things that are true about themselves and people not laughing at them and then being like, okay, I guess I'll just make up stuff then. Um, like, well, I don't see necessarily like neither feels uh like it summarizes reality for me in any way um but what i was gonna say was it it also reminds me of this experience of um calling phone banking all the time for black lives matter related stuff and for coronavirus related stuff and for bernie sanders where like you get so nervous when you get on the phone you know you have these little scripts and talking points about what you're gonna say but you're like i'd like to ultimately just be able to get on the phone and just call them and just say exactly what i think and i'm like i feel so strongly about these issues why does it feel so difficult for me to just get on and say exactly what my beliefs are like i'm scared that i'm going to be made to look like an idiot or that i don't know what i'm talking about when i'm so certain of what i think um and i don't exactly know the answer to it i think um it has something to do with the fact that what i think is actually extremely simple and i have to like sort of outfit all of my ideas and all these kind of technical terms and like I'm calling this certain office so I have to explain how it relates to these kind of bills when it's like fundamentally I believe the police are racist but I can't just call and say the police are racist they'll always be racist so we have to get rid of them that's all (laughs) you know but so what's your point there are you saying that like that it's hard to say what you believe or that there's like this 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 um uh, there's different kind of dressing um, up of what you believe into simple terms and that that's like less true to, to your beliefs I think that there's just different ways that we mediate the way we're trying to say what we think that distorts things in a way that isn't uniform across all the different metrics like being on some certain podcast you get on and you have to say things in some certain way and that leads you to maybe be more truthful or maybe be more dishonest I don't know and that I don't have a universal principle for what I believe makes me more honest or less honest so are you seeing that Joey Diaz on the Joe Rogan podcast is a little bit like you calling someone about Bernie Sanders? Yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to mediate the truth of having sexually coerced 20 women through his imperfect language? What is the, the natural yes, conclusion Sarah, of I hope, I hope you didn't say that with the, uh, with the potential voter when you were trying to <laughs> for Bernie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, well, I guess, you know, uh, I will say this. That I, think, I think people should be allowed to say things that they don't mean more often and to be more hypocritical. I think that that's i mean i guess i guess it just depends on the context where you are and whether um people are i think there are contexts where i'm like no people should be held to their word but often i find on social media like at least in our world in our little tiny cancel world i do think people should be allowed to like just try thoughts out and to kind of contradict themselves a lot more i think that we should be a lot more tolerant of uh, inconsistency 
that's kind of abstract, and I'm not really taking I'm not really taking a position that would get me in trouble one way or another because I'm not being clear about what I mean. But but I do think <laughs> I do smart. think that's like that's a good language tactic so that place. you don't have to get pinned down. Yeah, or, every, yeah anybody who's listening to it goes, "Yep, I agree with Felipe, no matter what they believe." Yeah, people should just like kind of try harder and just yeah. like say be able to fail, but then also pick themselves back up. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, that, I mean, the Joey Diaz thing is also complicated because it's not even just that he said it and whether or not he should have been able to say it. It's like the thing he said he did. If he did that, that's totally, totally. It's no, not even yes, like a joke. Of course. It's like an yeah. omission of like right. committing like, <laughs> a, like a kind of crime. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 He, I mean, yeah. People ask him. It's like, did you do it? And he's like, yeah, of course I did it. Like he just did it. It's not. Yeah, he wasn't doing yeah. a bit. Like he just did that shit. <laughs> he did that. It's so fucked. Um, yeah. I'll just say, I'll say one more sincere point about it, and then we can change the subject. I also have to, to pee, which I've never done during the podcast before, but I really have to. Go pee. Um, uh, that Roland Barthes says that language is assertive, but oh, that no, people no. don't usually mean to be assertive, and so that's just kind of this fundamental. Like, you say something because you are trying out an idea or speculating on something or figuring something out, but just, like, the way language functions is to say, like, I think this, I believe this. So. Well, I was talking about this with my dad yesterday, mm. and it and it's about... And it's about, like, um, sharing political ideas on the internet. Um, and I'll, I'll sort of try to, like, make my way through this thought uh, as best as I can, because I was having a hard time yesterday. But I was, like, reflecting on, on why it's, like, I found it really hard to sort of share political opinions on the internet. And I think there's been kind of, like, um, uh, sort of, like, a call to do it. Um, right Wait, pause. I'm going to pee while you do this. So I'm just going to mute myself and stop the... Oh, oh, I'll mute myself and stop this. It'll look like Emma Orm, though. Is that okay? That's It'll okay. look like what? <laughs> Great, Emma Orm. The picture of Emma Orm. Like... Oh, it doesn't look like anything. Are you? Are we gonna hear? Like are we gonna hear the sound of you peeing? No, I'm gonna mute myself. You keep talking. Okay. Now it's just us, Sam. I know Sarah said she would mute herself, but I believe that she's not there anymore because I don't see her anymore. <laughs> yeah, you don't have object permanence yet, Felipe. Exactly. As far as I'm concerned, Sarah's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she can't hear this thing. Well, I'll, I'll, um, now that Sarah's not around, this idea is going to go absolutely off the rails and 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 become. Yeah, dude, say what you really. Yeah, feel. <laughs> <laughs> she was. She's. She's about sharing your thoughts on the internet. Yeah, she's. She, I'm playing. I'm bowling, and Sarah's usually like the gutters. Like I have the gutters up, but now the gutters are down. <laughs> So I'm gonna, I'm gonna curve this I'm, one. <laughs> and I'm the guy telling you to like take some speed before yeah. you start. Bowling. You're the guy in the alley next to me that's like, check this out. If you hold it like this, you can curve it and you can make it no 90 degrees. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna try that. <laughs> Brother, you want some more beers? Yeah. Who wants more beers? <laughs> I'm getting this guy another drink. All right. <laughs> He's rolling strikes. You're all the night. guy next to me that's like. Try to hit the pins without having them touch the alley first. Just throw it, throw it overhand and try to get a strike that way. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you can wear your Tims onto the onto the bowling yeah. alley. You don't need yeah. Run shoes. run up to the pins and punch them with your hand. Mm -hmm. Bro, what if what if you did that? What if you ran up to the 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 ran up the alley before the security could grab you? You grabbed one pin and then you just hit the other pins with that pin. That's wild. <laughs> Bro, what if you did that? And, then, and you go you go into that. Okay, here's a crazy story yeah. that this reminds me of. Is that my father remembers bowling in Kentucky, like in the 19... I guess what this would be in the 1970s, like when he was a little kid. And he remembers going to a bowling alley in Kentucky. And you would 
bowl and you'd throw you get like a strike and you'd knock down some pins and instead of a machine going down to pick up the pins he just this is how he described it he said there was like a black a black arm came down and picked up the pins and like set them back up from behind from like above the the thing and then and what he realized like to his horror was like there was like a person sitting above like each thing picking up the pins. well i'll say this you know no there doesn't need to be any horror i think that's a common thing for there to be or at some point like for there to be manual resetting of the pins i mean i guess i guess the racial dynamic notwithstanding about race sure sure it's a reflection about race sure yeah in america you know sure but i guess i mean i i mean not to relativize but you know as, as insofar as you're okay with wage labor um manual resetting of the pins is a thing yeah, that happens maybe, maybe i'll just share an anecdote like that when felipe goes to the bathroom <laughs> and it's just sarah and i on the call i'll say this what's funny about what happened is not that you went off into the gutter of saying earnestly fucked up stuff is that you just did bits the entire time because that's is totally that's when matt that's when mask is off no it's because i, I do i do need yeah. you i do need you sort of guiding me through this thought <laughs> and i thought i'm not just gonna say this to sam Plus, Sam hears me. <laughs> Sam hears me riff. Sam, Sam hears me riff all day long, and it's like I'd rather just joke around with him now. Just that I've found it hard to um, share opinions and uh, 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 political opinions online. And and again, like I, I'm gonna try my best to make this into a short thought, but and I'll try it out, and maybe I'll, I'll get it wrong the first time. But basically, like it's because. I think that, like, that opinions and beliefs, like, a a good, you know, a good take, quote-unquote, right, and if we're talking about Twitter, like, a nice tweet with an interesting take can have the, the, the potential to activate you when you read something that you think, wow, I hadn't thought of that before, but that's, um, that depends on how, like, well sort of crafted the idea is, and in that sense, like, although we think of takes as having a kind of truth value or ethical value they also have like an aesthetic value like a take is like a joke in that it can be powerful and new and fresh or it can be cliche and i think that a take that is cliche not only has like a lower aesthetic value but also has like a lower truth value in a sense like if you say something cliche it just doesn't it it washes over the reader. Cliches don't like make you feel anything. They don't activate they make you. you mad even. They can make you mad, <laughs> You're but just like when I read them, I feel like I'm like, why are you saying this? Fucking obviously, I know this. You should know this. Like, yeah, and you're sharing this. And so yeah. there's this whole there's this whole kind of there's this whole kind of mandate or call to like be sharing. And I guess the other is like, oh, you know, um, uplift other voices, right? And I was like, I could do that, but but I also wonder, like, oh, do you run the risk? Because, like, I could have just, for instance, tweeted just Black Lives Matter as a thing I believe, right? But it's like, if I just tweet that, to me, the fact that that's, like, not, in, not like, a particularly fresh thought, to me, makes it, like, kind of neutral. <laughs> Even though it's You gotta true, reinvent the wheel every time you... Yeah, you and people are like, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. But I think a little bit, it's like, well, we're in the world of, of like, you know, aesthetic objects like like sentence you know like twitter mm-hmm. and so it's like that is the platform yeah yeah and so it's like even though it's a true statement and it's an ethical statement the fact that it's like a, a an aesthetically nothing statement to me makes it feel like oh i don't want to post something that doesn't feel like interesting or powerful to me even if it's true and good um so i, I so i think that's kind of i think that i made sort of the point to the extent that i wanted to make it 
was not that, <laughs> that wasn't that hard to explain. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing. Um to go off. I think that's that's a fair enough point. I mean, um it's like kind of speaks to the thing about the people posting the black squares where it's like Instagram functions in a certain capacity. If you want to use it for some kind of activism, you should use it in a way that makes sense for what that platform is. So if like Twitter's platform is like giving aesthetically interesting new takes is like the currency in which it operates, then I can see why you would want to um, be operating in that way, even when people are saying just post Black Lives Matter. Uh, but I also just found it confusing. And we've talked about this a little bit during um, the last few weeks the amount of time that I've just like seen taken up on my social media feeds with people um, seeming to lose sleep over how they were going to post about it on social media. And I was just like, I'm, I'm confused why this is like preoccupying people so much. Uh, when to me, it seems straightforward enough that you should just like amplify black voices and like post the Black Lives Matter and like share information that's been helpful to you. And that the way I decide what I'm going to post on Instagram, I'm not really on Twitter, uh, is just a uh, Something that I was, a piece of information I was looking for, that once I found it, I shared it, because I thought, well, if I was looking for it, someone else probably was. So, very easy. Mm -hmm. But you're making a more philosophical argument, but to me, it was as simple as that. Sure, yeah. It is. No, I mean, I think, I think the truth is that it, it did not feel as simple as that to me, uh, for better or for worse. Um, but, yeah. But I guess maybe that's, yeah. That's all. Hey, what about you, Sam? Well, it, it, I guess it, what it makes me think is that I, I think like, I, I too am sort of in awe at sort of the, the sort of anxiety that I think a lot of white people feel around how to behave in these situations. And I think it's, I associate it with like an anxiety of people who are sort of like new to like racial justice or concepts of racial justice or talking about racial justice, where it's like, the sort of first level of like coming into activism is off. I think in at least maybe, maybe in my experience around this is that like you become you're you're first quite nervous because you want to do the right thing. And then there's like a second tier or second level or a third level where then you, you sort of graduate from that and you realize that, Oh, it's, obviously the right thing to do is actually a quite a simple obvious thing <laughs> and that um you you um that being preoccupied with whether you're doing the right thing or whether you're going to get called out for doing the wrong thing is actually sort of like the anxieties of someone who's like sort of new to the game a little bit so to speak and that like the thing becomes it, first it's simple and then it becomes complicated and then it becomes simple again the multi-level theory yes. or level one yes. level two level three looks like level one the theory exactly. we invented yeah. the level theory that we invented in one of our first exactly. episodes in one of our first exactly. episodes yeah um what was i gonna say about that oh yeah but I, what i think is sort of the most interesting thing to me and i was come texting felipe about this the other day is that the the concerns about being a virtue signaler or like talking about good things that you do or trying to seem good is like a biblical, like ancient concern that people have always had that I just, I think is interesting for that reason. Mm. That like in the Bible, it says your left hand shouldn't know what your right hand does, like in terms of like doing good for other people, which is a weird to think that like, you're supposed to be keeping it a secret from like even your own mind. You shouldn't know like hand. why you're doing something good. Even your keeping own Keeping your hand in the dark. Yeah. Don't let like, your hand I don't see. even, <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't, I have no idea, but it's in there, so. It sounds um 
I already hate myself for saying this. It sounds like a thing about masturbation. We don't even have to dwell on uh, that. <laughs> um, we don't even have to dwell it, on think, that comment. I think it's what it's um, advising you against is doing that thing that they do in um, in uh, that Guillermo del Toro mm -hmm. film. Yes, where, where you have the eyes in the, yes. in the eyes. That's what it's telling mm -hmm. you not to do. Mm -hmm. exactly. But I like that. And I like doing that. <laughs> and I like love Sarah, I hate when you do that at parties. It's that part of the night where you do that. <laughs> Some people don't like it, but I like it. And the people that do like it, they really like it. So. That guy's like, he's like, he's like, hola. <laughs> uh, hola. For people who are just listening and can't see Felipe, he's holding his hands up in front of his eyes saying, hola. Hola. Um... <laughs> damn. That movie that. was... I'd, I'd like to rewatch that movie. Yeah. That movie's eh. And it's not good. You don't like it. The only good part is the part we're talking about. The rest of it's eh. the like, guy that with the eyeballs. Fucking cool. The guy with the eyeballs, the big feast, being down in that cave. You don't the think the is... anarchists in the woods was cool? I don't remember it, so I don't think it was cool. Okay. Hola. Como estás? Just some of the lines Almost you might nice. hear from the guy with the hands in his eyes. Um, but yeah, virtue signaling. I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it is true that back even back in the Bible, people were worried about seeming um, like they were showing, like, like they were being showboaters. That's exactly right. But yeah, I, no, I mean, I think I think I I'll I'll sort of share how I've been feeling, which is that, uh, and I think this is a thing that a lot of people have been feeling. But it's like I just feel really um, bad. Like the internet makes it's been making me feel really bad. <laughs> And I think that one thing that is happening, and I, I notice it when I go outside, as soon as I go outside or I'm at a protest, I'm like, oh, yes, like, it's okay. Like, obviously, it's not okay, right? Things are bad. But but um, but the feelings that one feels on the internet yeah. need not be the feelings of the real world. And I think the, the, the problem is, like, you confuse, because in the internet, performance and action are the exact same thing. There's no, you mm. can't do anything on the internet that isn't performance and outward facing you start to confuse the two things. You start to confuse the performance for the action. And they become the exact same thing. So showing that you have done activism equals doing the activism. Um, as far as social media is concerned. Or, or sharing images and, or showing that you care about this thing is equal to caring about the thing. And, and I think that that like translates into other stuff which I can't think of right now. I had like a whole thought about this, but basically like... Yeah, you just, everything that happens on the internet starts to, like with the Black Square thing, it was so funny, I just thought it was crazy, not how, and now we all talked about this already, but, and this happened a minute ago, but people uh, started posting a Black Square with the hashtag Black Lives Matter, I'll just explain it, whatever, and then, nice. we should get used to doing that, and then, after people had been doing that, this new discourse was born that was like don't post the black squares don't post the black squares because it's like crowding out important information it's crowding out the important information on the black lives matter like hashtag and what was interesting was not how widespread the black square was which by itself was like quite like corny and like you know it was just like oh this is useless for sure it's like 100 percent virtue signaling has no use at all but what was weird was like how widespread and for how long the the anti-black square discourse ran for. 
It was in my feed way longer than the actual black exactly, thing. Yeah. exactly. And the people that posted them seemed to feel such a horrible guilt that they posted like eight or nine Instagram stories explaining why not to post it. When I was like, oh, one will suffice, I think. Totally, <laughs> like, like you can just you can just delete it and move on, like you you know. And and it actually yes. and the anti-black square discourse began to crowd out the things that in theory needed to be on yeah. the timeline. Mm. But that's I think that's like a perfect example of like it, to me it felt like oh so sh you think that the internet is like a kind of mirror of the world but but actually it's like distorted and past a certain level of detail you just see the, the distortion so suddenly you think you're in uh, you think that when you're on the internet you're plugging into the protests but suddenly you're just plugged into what's happening on the internet which is this black square thing which has like no connection to anything to, at all yeah. only what's happening on the internet and i think that that it feels that way with a lot of things where like even I've found that, like, um, for instance, and and I think this is quite. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you guys are 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 party to the level of neuroses that I experience daily, and <laughs> with regards to the internet specifically, I, I think I'm I think I might be number one daily, on the tier maybe. of of internet neuroses. I think you guys definitely. What? What are you gonna say? I have a panic disorder, you, but I don't have an internet based one. Internet based one. <laughs> Oh, we could. I should have brought up. I had a panic attack the other day. It was an interesting story to tell. But but Me anyway, too. so we could both tell about oh, we it. Should, we'll well, there's still see. time. Yeah. I mean, is there still Fel time? Felipe, We're though, coming up on do, what's up. Let me ask you this though: that like, I, I think this is going to sound initially sort of like theoretically just like irritating. But please like, come, wow. come at me, come at me. Come I'll at fuck you up, dude. I'll Felipe fucking, side. I'll end you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think going to protests can be thought of as a kind of performance and that like oftentimes sure. what happens at protests is is it's this exactly like sort of self-consuming thing where people start like talking about and sort of like reacting to the dynamics of a protest itself rather than to the issues that like totally. the protest is ostensibly about. Um Yeah, I guess I'll have to think a little bit about that. I guess I guess that's true. I mean, maybe it's just like a quantitative difference. I just think that on the internet, you are missing a big component, which is like face-to-face -face contact. And I think that that makes a difference, even though it's true, like everything, there's not really a line between action and performance. Like they are sort of similar. Or imaginary and real. It's true. It's true. I guess maybe what I'm describing is like <laughs> being on the internet has made me feel like, like, everything that there is to be felt is like anger and sadness and and it's like oh no that's i'm seeing the internet and that, but that's not the world because as soon as i go out into the world and interact with people i'm like oh no like there's still like love and like feeling good with my friends and stuff it's not just this one thing yeah um, it definitely feels different to me between like the potential energy of internet life and the kinetic energy of being outside doing the protest is qualitatively different um so i agree with you i do agree with like sam's point that there is like a aesthetic element to protesting and a way to be neurotic about being at a protest also and to be like oh i think i'm at one of these protests that actually doesn't do anything and there's no point and i'm just like here for myself or like something like that um but my lived experience of the last few weeks has been like being on the internet and looking at shit on the internet feels bad going to the protest feels sometimes scary, sometimes bad, but even bad in the way that it's scary 
is in some sense a better feeling than bad in the neurotic way that uh, being on the internet feels. So, and it mo- has mostly felt uh, positive and energizing. I'll, I'll describe another another way in which this sort of plays out but it's and again like i think i think i'm like a little more susceptible to this than you guys so as as i say it i'm a little more self-conscious about it but it's like i or maybe not maybe i'm wrong about this maybe you feel this just as much as i do but i start to identify myself in tweets right because there's tweets that are like oh i don't like the people that are doing x y or z and so i see myself sometimes identified in those and then i start (laughs) to think that's me and and not only do I think they're talking about me? But I think that's who I am. I am that person. And so I start seeing myself through this, like, um, does that make sense? Like, I, it's not, mm. I'm not like Felipe with my thoughts and feelings. I'm like the guy that does this. And even in my yeah. own head, I'm like, Felipe's the guy that does this. Um, yes, yes, yes. I was thinking about this actually earlier when we were talking about just posting on social media in general, where I'm like, oh, I think part of the reason why I'm, maybe kind of good at this is because I have such an obsessive, like external viewpoint on myself. That's like any, anytime I say anything that could possibly be conceived by me as annoying or embarrassing, I will spend several minutes imagining various people in my life saying or doing that thing to try to get some handle on like how bad I think the thing is that I said or did, how embarrassing, you know? And I think that's sort of an obsessive thing. I think some people, most people probably do that to some degree, but I think I have a neurotic addiction to it. And so anytime I'm posting anything on social media, I do so much time conceptualizing other people's perception of it that I think I prevent a, a lot of like mistakes from being made just through obsessive uh, thinking. And so I feel sort of like you or when I see um, an external view of myself summarized into something pithy and like clever and funny, I'm like, oh shit, this is like really important data for me to know that from the outside, someone else thinks I'm a person like that. And I'm really going to internalize what that means in a serious way. Totally. But, but then I'll say this. When I go outside and I'm in the sun and I'm with my friends at a picnic, suddenly that thing disappears. <laughs> hmm. I'm like, sh- you know, I'm in- indoors all day and I'm like, I'm the guy that does this. Whatever, whatever mm. it is, I'm the guy that doesn't like post and stays silent. <laughs> and then that's how I get like, at a oh, picnic no, I'm and I'm like, it. yeah, and it's like, oh, that feeling I had was inside of a website and the website can't hurt me. <laughs> you know? I- yes. I think this all, like, we should do like a group watching of the ContraPoints video on cringe, but this is basically like exactly what she talks about in that video and like the concept of self cringe and how like communities sort of why cringe, like the concept of cringe humor is both really popular on the internet, but also is like sort of used as a way for communities to sort of like self police themselves and, and like, uh, and control sort of behavior and send and broadcast into the world uh what what sort of like behavioral norms should be like followed or and avoided and stuff yeah i think there is a value to it i guess the way i've been feeling is like i know for myself that it it causes a lot of angst and i'm like oh i i think the sort of next step for me the level three that i'm trying to get to is like oh um feeling shitty about myself is not it's not politics like that's not me doing politics and like feeling angry hell yeah brother. yeah so yeah. I, and i and i think <laughs> you know it's like a simple thing and it's a thing i've thought it's not a new thought but i do think i've been surprised like how, how i have been feeling shitty and how i think that i'm not the only one that um confuses those two things mm-hmm. yes no absolutely i think that that is a 
a broad phenomenon of people feeling shitty about themselves as politics. <laughs> and that's a nice way to summarize it. Um, but it is confusing because we're being asked to both um, think about things on a larger societal level of which we're only a small component, but then also make certain demands of ourselves as the only unit in that society that we actually can control. So mediating between those two things is hard to do. I'm, tr I'm trying um, to just feel good, man. Yeah, I'll say this is something interesting that Felipe said about um, how I was saying that I, I felt that I would have to vote for Joe Biden because um, the bad that seems like more bad stuff would happen because of Trump, less bad stuff would happen because of Biden. And to put it simply and not get that much into it. Um, and so the most ethical thing that I could do would be to vote for Joe Biden. And Felipe was like, why do you have to do the most ethical thing that you could do? When um, none of the people in the government do the most ethical thing and none of the people who have the power or the money do the most ethical thing. You can tell me this is a misrepresentation of what you meant. Um, so why should I have to as like sort of the lowest person down on the bottom of the chain be like losing sleep over having to vote for someone I don't want to vote for because he's a sexual assaulter and I'd rather write in Bernie. Yeah. And, and um, on top of and that, I thought that was and on top of that, it's going to feel so good to not vote for him. You know, it's just gonna, <laughs> mm. I know. Why am I depriving myself yeah. like being such a masochist about it? And I think that's an interesting point because I'd always thought, you know, if you can break down the things you believe in, it's hard to know what you believe. But fundamentally, I believe it's important for me to try my best to be the most ethical person I can be. And then you were kind of telling me I don't have to do that. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> so I don't know. I think about that a lot. Totally. Yeah, I'll try this out. Yeah, I think people should be allowed to be more bad. <laughs> I think Felipe, free Joey Diaz. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Can I eat chips for dinner? Brother, you already eat chips just, for dinner. You eat like you eat like tuna and hot Cheetos that you eat with and chopsticks. <laughs> and that's not even a joke. That's a real thing you do. No, no, I'm living my best life. And it's great. I feel good. Sam is eating tuna with hot Cheetos and I'm eating dried oatmeal for dinner. <laughs> Felipe, but uh, the reason I can do that stuff is 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 that I, I'm not constantly looking at myself and and delving into cycles of shame about about. <laughs> it's true. Actions, Sam is a right? Zen so master. I'm living. I'm living the bliss you say you want to achieve. Sam is a Zen master. You say you say to him. Do you say to him? Do you not feel unsettled? And he says no. And you know he's not hiding it from you. There there is only so, there is only the surface of the statue. There is nothing beneath. So what we want what is what Sam already has. That's what it would look like. Uh, yeah, like my life and principles. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I want to be I want to be me but having a good ass time. Yeah, brother, me too. All there is is the happiness is and unhappiness you decide. Guys, it's it's actually just all about us being ourselves and having a good ass time. You're at the rally. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I saw Polly at one of the protests, pa and then I Polly? saw him on Instagram surfing the next day. Oh, the guy who the guy yeah. the guy who ran the space where we did the original uh, fucking Raisin Man show. Raisin Man Talk show. about a guy who's I having a good time. Talk about a guy's that totally. guy's having exactly. a good time. That guy's just totally no. He he st he stepped back and he said politics is not about making yourself feel bad. No and no he's no. Been He's had Mahala vibes, like skateboarding. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy's that guy's living the who care lifestyle. <laughs> no man. No man. Guys, I'm sweating so much. I wish you guys well, could. See, I time. wish you guys could see yeah. the little robots that I've been playing this whole time. Just little dog oh, robots and little like little running robots. 
Do you guys think do you guys think this will ever be a bits podcast? I'm thinking it's never gonna be that. Aw. No, that's not what I want. Because then it makes me feel like I'm keeping you from getting yourself. No, hey, I could have been doing bits this whole time. I'm 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 expounding. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised by your not doing so many bits this this time. You know, the truth is I you know, leading up to this I was like, Oh, I got so many things I wanna share and I just uh then I, w- I was just, to be honest, although I seemed I seemed like I was trying to get some thoughts across, I feel like I would mellowed out a lot more than I've been these last two weeks. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't know that you hadn't been mellow. I guess we haven't been in, in, in we've been texting, but we haven't really been on the phone. I've been keeping a little tally of things I wanted to say, but I, I don't think I said any of the things I wanted to say. No, psych, I said Damn. some, I said some I've... of the things I wanted to say, I said some of the things I wanted to say. I've been feeling emotionally, and I guess we're getting to the end here, so I'll just say this briefly, as if, like, talking, I spend so much time talking, I love to talk, and then the last couple of weeks I've just been like, there's no point to talking. So, to do the podcast today, I was like, here we fucking go, like, talk, talk, time to talk about stuff, and, um, I don't know, it felt, uh, fine. <laughs> didn't, yeah, feel, uh, I didn't have any revelations or anything. Um. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I had a lot of fun. I think, Felipe, you should dye your hair Sarah's color, and Sarah should get a black mustache. There's an Argentine. There's an Argentine singer of this of this band um, that I like, and he's got Sarah's hair and a black mustache, and he's. I really like wow. that look. I really like That's that look. Hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a really good look. Um. That would make my damn week just looking at you two like that. <laughs> damn, I wish we could go for longer. What what are we at? We're at the time. We're at the time. Uh my my headphones, they're they're like so hot and sweaty <laughs> in my ears. I'm like really counting down the seconds to this. Alright. Well then that's hot. Can we can we do yeah. another one? Because we were kind of behind, so maybe we can do another we're one. We're a little behind, we, so we gotta we catch can up. Catch up, do a few more. I'm I'm down to keep doing some more. I mean, I guess we can talk like about right this. now. Like record another hour right oh, now. Oh yeah. Oh that's cut, mm, that's not a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess we can talk about this off mic. I'm just kinda We can do it on Wednesday. That's when I'll be back. Oh, that's when cool. I'll be back as well. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. And I hope everyone's doing well out there. And uh, sorry we've been gone. Right when the world needed us the most, we vanished. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Sarah, we don't, got, we don't got to apologize to nobody. We did self-care. We, did, we, we were out in the streets. We, were out, we, were, we hushed down our voices. Don't nobody so need an explanation from people, us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then good night, everyone. Bye. Raisin Man Arena.